0: Hello and welcome to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast. The podcast for cover bands and cover band musicians to learn new things and up their game. Here in Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson.
1: Gary Greensboro, North Carolina, Dan
0: Ray. So Dan, how's your uh, how's your week going so far?
1: My week is good. We're prepping for a show at um, a bar that has kind of become home base. Uh, a place called Tailgaters. Uh, G-A-T-O-R-S, Tailgators. I get it. Uh, Yeah, it's clever. Um, And uh, that place has, um, let's see, including Saturday night, we have three dates on the books with them plus New Year's Eve. Oh, that's fantastic. uh, Yeah, it's very much a home-based kind of joint, and it's uh, just a great room of regulars and music fans. They do music in there every couple weeks. and um, I'll tell you, the the venue puts up Facebook events and stuff, and Mm -hmm. for ours, the title of it was... The clinky Lincolns are back. You you need to not miss them. That seems like a lot. <laughs> and well, it was it was lengthy, but um, but it was more emphatic than anything I've ever seen those people post. And the woman who does it has been sharing the event on her timeline and the, the venue timeline every day this week. Oh, that's great. Um, which, like, I've, you know, it's it's just the kind of support for an, for an event that is just you just don't see it. It's really cool. Yeah, you, you got to be careful with the
0: long taglines because they, they'll get cut off. But, uh, the reason why I said it was fantastic was that you've already locked down a new year's Eve gig yep. and it's, uh, it's March. Yeah. She came to us, she came to us about a month ago
1: <laughs> I was like, dude, it's February. And, um, you know, we discussed it and we, we've, um, we've only played there once or twice and, um, well, no, pardon me. We played there once and it, we tore the house down and they want us, they want us as regulars and they have us as regulars, happy to do it. Um, and when they approached us about that, first of all, the thought was, well, it's a lot of months between now and New Year's. What if... And they're, they're, they're a great venue, but they, they're they not very well known. They're not a big name in terms of these mm-hmm. venues in town. And we kind of had a thought like, gosh, what if we get an offer from someplace more prominent that we'd really rather do? And we just kind of did all that math and sort of factored in their loyalty and interest in us and just said, what well, you know, fine, it's fine, let's just do it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, sometimes you have to hedge your bets on, you know, you can you can lock something down and it's guaranteed or you can, you know, hold out for potentially something better. Yeah. Uh, but you always run the risk of, uh, holding out for nothing. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and in this case we figured
1: it was worth the relationship, you know, they have yeah. been like really great partners with us. So that's always
0: something to consider. Everybody yeah. take note of that relationships matter in this business. Oh, they're everything. Yep. It's like Scarface. He only had two things and he didn't break them for anybody. Anywho, <laughs> that was a, that was a Scarface reference. Uh, yeah, no,
1: yes. Yeah, I got it.
0: We have a very important topic to cover today. And it's one that we tried to cover a week ago, and nothing worked. And the whole thing got scrapped. So this is our second attempt at talking about branding and marketing. And the best part of this episode is that Dan has already written a fantastic article relating to these things, and I am merely here for color commentary. (laughs) So without further ado, may I introduce the illustrious... Dan Ray.
1: Illustrious. I'm illustrious. Yeah. So, um, you know, I should preface this by saying I work in marketing. Uh, what I actually do is um, tangential to marketing. I manage a software development team. Um, but in a marketing agency that does a lot of marketing and branding work. And so i have been really steeped in it and, and, and um, immersed in whole, the whole concept of marketing for quite a, quite a few years now. And as a result, I would say, I think it's fair to say that the Clanky Lincolns are... Probably the best branded band in my market. And that's on purpose. That's, that's the result of some deliberate choices I made. So branding is really a, a dear-to-my-heart sort of concept. And one thing that people often get confused with is, like, a logo. When you say a brand, people think of a logo. And a logo is an important part of a brand, but there's there's way more to Nike than a solution. There's way more to Apple than the logo of the Apple with the chunk out of it. Uh, so we're going to talk about the components of a brand and what goes into it and, and also why you need one, why you even need to think about this as a band uh, or as a band leader. So what do we go over the
0: um, let's go over the just the, the high level uh, topics and then we'll dive into each one of them.
1: All right. Good. So we to talk a little about like what is branding even? What is what is it? And then we're going to break down the things to think about that are components that make up a brand. We'll talk about target audience. We'll talk about brand personality. And brand experience. We'll talk about brand differentiation, and then the graphical and other components that make up your brand materials, your brand identity, and your brand collateral. Awesome. And then, sort of through through that, on the way of that, if we haven't picked it up along the way, we'll talk about brand gap and the sort of activities that you end up taking, the sort of choices you end up making that are driven by your brand. Yeah. So. A brand, you can think of a brand as the story that a company or organization tells about themselves. A brand is how you're understood and defined in the marketplace. Or another way to think of it is a brand is a promise that you make to the consumer about the kind of product or service you're going to provide them. So it's a very much about what you stand for and what can be expected from you. And, you know, way more than having a nice logo. And there are actually a bunch of things to think about before you can get to logos or get to naming. Few of us in the band world do it that order, but in branding, in branding as a process, the naming of the company comes almost last. Yeah. Unless it comes first. Unless it comes first. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people are just really attached to a name they came up with.
0: Or you try to build the brand around the name. Right.
1: Right. Which, you know, that has some that has some. Risk to it because you know, there may be things about the name that you weren't aware of. I think about uh, the Chevy Nova, which means doesn't go in Spanish. Yeah, Uh, and you know, most bands I would say probably have a name before they think of anything else about themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly, the case with the Clanky Lincolns, I came up with that name for Disney World, and my wife said, You want to go see the Hall of Presidents? And I said, I don't need to see any Clanky Lincolns, and I was like uh, thunderstruck. And (laughs) I immediately posted on Facebook, band name calling it next band is called the Clanky Lincolns. And like now co frontman Justin replied immediately and said, and yeah. That's the story of the naming of my band had nothing to do with branding. It was just it just fell on my head. Well and there's all those
0: there's there's all kinds of stories about that, you know, bands getting names from situations like, you know, Childish Gambino was named because he put his name into a Wu-Tang name generator and that's what came out. Yeah. Um yeah. I found a really funny yeah. uh, article this week about a neural network that's naming um, characters for Dungeons and Dragons, and there were some
1: amazing band names in that's there. That's good. You know what? I saw a festival poster filled up with band and performer names that were created by a and it was amazing. It was amazing. I, it, it was really good. Anyway, all right, so the first thing you want to consider, or among the first things, is your target audience. And I like to think of target audience, target market, as uh, you know, like an archery target. So there is the bullseye. On the target, and that is the most important thing to hit, the most valuable thing to hit, it's what you're really aiming at. And then the target has rings, concentric rings that go out from that. So it's not like you're not aiming at those rings, but hitting them is not as you know, you still get points for hitting them, but it's not as valuable as the center. So when we're playing, the target audience that we are most aiming for, the bullseye of our target is the women in the room. Yep. And our song selections are based on that, and our a stage attitude is based on that, Our dress is based on that to some extent. The first ring out from the bullseye is the male partners of those women who are at the bullseye. Because they're, you know, gonna drag them out onto the dance floor and they're gonna be part of the thing once I get the once I get the girls going. Next ring out from them is the single guys in the room. They're a little harder to address directly, but if you get the room pumping because you caught those first two target markets, you get them too. That's one whole audience we focus on. The other target market we have our attention on is the people who book cover bands. So venues, people hiring for weddings and parties, bar managers, that sort of
0: thing. Well and the beautiful thing about each of those concentric rings is that they mo- people can be in multiple rings at the same time. So, you know, the single guys are there because the ladies are there, and then maybe the ladies are, you know, their husbands are turning forty and they wanted to book a band for that party. So like yeah. each of those things can can kind of overlap to a certain degree. And sometimes totally those single guys meet single girls at those events and then they get married and then, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's the point, right? Exactly. So lots of opportunities to get gigs, uh, amongst your audience, especially in the order that you are prioritizing
1: them. All right. One other component to think about is brand personality. And if you think about brands from the perspective of what is their brand personality, they jump right out at you. You know, if you think about Apple computer, it's all about design and, uh, like a, high-end experience of working with their products. So you want to design a personality for your band. And, you know, in our band, what we designed is the Clanky Lincolns are youthful, energetic, fun, and approachable. We're just regular guys. And that brand personality has driven some choices like, uh, you know, unlike a lot of bands, we don't dress up in particular for bar gigs. We do for special events and private parties and things like that. We dress to, to fit whatever the... Ones. but for a band gig we walk in just as regular guys jeans and t-shirts and, and um, that's a departure for a lot of bands a lot of bands are doing something much more designed than that but our brand personality calls for us not to
0: and on the flip side for us being primarily a corporate group um, our you know appearance is you know members only jackets and tuxedo t-shirts which implies, You know, kind of a put together look, but it's still informal, which also carries the brand personality that we're looking for. Which is, we're here and we're professional, but we don't take this too seriously, and we're here to have a good time.
1: Exactly. And then, you know, if like us, you've identified two target markets, one being the audience that we're playing to, and the other being people who book us. You can actually have two different brand brand personalities to interact with those two Mm -hmm. markets. So, toward bookers, our personality is. Professional, friendly, competent, efficient, and a partner who delivers no fuss, no drama.
0: And and by the way, all bands, that's what you want your brand personality to be with people who book you. It's a good yeah. one. It's a good one.
1: Yeah. There are yeah.
0: lots of other brand personalities, uh, and and they're not as good.
1: <laughs> you don't want those. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I'd hesitate to say that there's a right one of any of these. There are some that work better for certain Choices. You know, listen, I know a band whose target audience they picked was uh, retirement homes, right? So they're doing old-timey kind of music, at best, like shag, uh, swing sort of stuff for 90-year-olds. And that's the target audience they picked. And they have a blast doing it and they clean up. They play all over the place quietly.
0: Yes, and early. And early. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 But, you know, for them, they're not even, they don't even really, they've got it so dialed in, they don't even interact with bookers anymore. They just show up on their day. I mean, they, their brand personality toward the booker is like invisible. Yeah. So while there are certainly some that work best when you're dealing with bars and stuff, uh, you, you really, we want to make sure people feel the latitude to design something here because it really is design. Yeah. You know, one of the things we say in branding is you've always got a brand, whether you meant to or not. Yeah. It's good to be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if your brand is accidental, it's probably not positive stuff about you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next component we want to talk about is the brand experience. So people have a particular experience when they interact with a brand. Think about it. um, uh, Like McDonald's and five guys basically sell the same stuff, but you have a totally different experience in the two places. And the experience people have with you is a big part of the story that you tell about who you are. And, um, and this is a place, by the way, where a lot of accidental branding can take place. You know, if a bartender overhears an argument among your bandmates, that's his brand experience of you. Right? Showing up on time is a critical moment of brand experience. It is an opportunity to sort of notice when your behavior is not, a, not the experience you want to lead people with and, and, and correct that about yourself. Um, for for the Clinky Lincolns, the experience that we want to leave the audience with is a, an experience of big party energy, leaving them happy, lit up, alive, and having had a great time. And with the Booker market, we want to create an experience of confidence and certainty and partnership. You know, when we designed that experience with the Booker target audience, you know, there's this phenomenon I hear sometimes about people worrying about if the band is going to show up. Mm-hmm. Just makes my blood run cold to think that that's you know a thing people feel like they have to worry about with bands. It's just chilling.
0: Yeah, more accidental
1: branding there. Completely, yeah, completely. So you know, we have. I, I take actions like uh, checking in with the venue a week before just to like confirm, and then I touch base the morning of to say what time we'll be showing up. Like I, I want to just alleviate any kind of concern. I want for the booker. I want it to be. Smooth and you know, like confident and certain, and uh, a real experience of partnership.
0: I would say that we're 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 pretty much aligned on the brand experience. Uh, yeah. We add the component of nostalgia. Um, so we want yes. we want people to to you know to have fun and you know big party, big energy. But I want we want to kind of tap into that. Oh, I remember when I first heard this song, or I remember you know just tap into that that the significance.
1: Another component of the brand that you need to consider is brand differentiation. What is it that makes your brand stand out in the marketplace? How, do you, how are you different from other brands that you're competing against? This should be a benefit that's specific to you, it's unique to you, and it addresses a real need that the target audience has. So one thing that we kept hearing as we were talking to bookers is a concern about bands playing too loud, especially in smaller bar environments mm-hmm. and playing the same old cover stuff, the same old classic rock stuff that their younger college age audiences and um, diverse demographic uh, audiences were having a hard time connecting with. Yeah. We made some deliberate choices about our brand differentiation based on that. We, we actually selected and bought a PA system that sounds good dialed back. doesn't actually have to be cranked up way loud to fill a space. And we get, I will tell you, we've had a lot of rebookings just based on the fact that the bartender can hear orders.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: huge. That's a huge thing to be able to fill the room, have it be pleasant, even, even nice and loud if you're up close to the, to the stage, but not overwhelming at, you know, even two thirds of the way back in the room. Yeah. And then we have designed a show and a set list that appeals to a very broad age range. We're adding um, new songs that are coming off the radio all the time. i will tell you the new one we just added this week. Um, uh, it was, it, it peaked on the charts in, I want to say November. Uh, it's called, um, I wish I knew you, wish I knew you when I was young. Great tunes uh, by the revivalists. Really, really cool tune. Cool. But we're always doing that. We're checking out what's playing right now. We're putting it on there. And um you know, particularly like when we played the Frat party last week, those kids really responded to what they heard on the radio on the way to the party. Sure. Um and that's rare. In our market, people are not really doing that. People are mostly playing, you know, our market needs another southern classic rock band like a hole in the head. You know, everybody's doing that. And so a big differentiator for us is that we're not doing that. We're doing something else.
0: You know, for, for us, uh being in the Atlanta market, um is it's very saturated. So uh, I could, I could name five other eighties bands in this town without any, you know, without any prompting. I'm actually filling in as vocalist for one, uh, this weekend just to, nice. yeah, to do a, a favor for a friend. And we had the night off, so I figured it was, uh, you know, good musician karma. Sure. Um, you know, the, the things that we were trying to do to differentiate are, well, I would say the main differentiation between us and, and other groups that do what we do is we're co-ed and we're young. Mm. So, one of the big taglines, and it's one of the things that we, we really, you know, drum up is that, you know, everybody in this band is under 40. And for an 80s band, that is rare. Yeah. Um, and we're able to deliver a high energy show. The, the, you know, it's basically like if an 80s band played Warped Tour, like that's the level of, you know, performance intensity that we want to give people. While still having, you know, we're, we're, we're also kind of in the line with, you know, everybody goes direct. So, you know, volume is very reasonable. We've got a really nice PA that, you know, can, can fill a room, but still be, you know, tolerable for, you know, for people in the front. So yeah, that's, that's the main
1: thing. Hey, just as a, just an aside, since we're talking about gear, I noticed on yeah. Facebook today that you are posting on a Helix group. Do you play Helix? I do. Yeah, we
0: are, we are both uh, purveyors of the Helix LT, I believe.
1: Yeah, I love my LT very, very, very much.
0: I um, w- well, actually, what had happened was was about a year ago. We had a private event come up that was in a very small uh, event space with concrete floors and concrete walls, mm-hmm. and it was as soon as we walked in, we were like, "This is not going to be good," and during the walkthrough that we did with the client, they were like, you know, we're really concerned about sound being an issue. And I was like, okay. Um, so I talked to all the guys and I was like, Hey, this is what we're going to have to do. And I was like, I'll, I will go to guitar center and I will buy a Helix and I'll use it and I'll take it back. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not super ethical, but you know, we've all been there. Yeah. So I ended up buying one and downloaded a, a preset off of one of the worship uh guitar websites uh, it was like a Vox AC-30 setup with the pedals that I would normally use. And I played that night, and it was really, really good. And then no. I ended up having to play at church the next day. And by the end of the second service, I was like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to keep this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> But luckily, I, I had actually gotten an a, uh, an email coupon from Guitar Center, so I got 150 bucks off of it. I only had to pay eight, about $850 for it. Oh, there you go. But yeah, it's been it's been yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah. I've played modeled um guitar amps um it's really all I've ever gigged. I had an atomic amplifier, the original three three button, and it was great, but uh I kept having to build boards around it mm-hmm. with effects that I wanted and, and Helix just has all that stuff, so yeah. I just yeah, I've I've loved it. I bought mine uh in December, it was just before the new year, and actually gigged it the night it arrived.
0: Yeah, I only had like two days to prep. <laughs> um and yeah, it's, it's been amazing. And, you know, before this, I gigged with an orange rocker verb 50. Yeah, it's yeah. uh, it was a big difference. And I, you know, I'm not going to say I don't miss, you know, feeling that thing pushing up against my, my back. uh, But I don't miss loading it in.
1: Right. And the audience doesn't know. Nope.
0: We actually get lots of compliments yeah. on how good our, uh, how good our guitar tone is. And, yeah. you know, for all of yeah. the snobs out there, you should probably uh, probably give it a, a second listen. All
1: right, well, that was an aside. I just wanted to <laughs> no, was a good one. ask about that. All right, um, so uh, the the next component, now that we've done a bunch of thinking, and by the way, if you Google brand components, every brand expert has a different list of these that are important to them. Uh, there, there are lots of, of wrinkles and components and aspects, uh, and I'm really just identifying a few that made a difference for us as we were doing this work. So I'd encourage you, as you, as you listen to this and as you think it through for your band to, um, could you just do a little research on your own about what other ways to think of it there are?
0: Also, if this is the first episode that you've had the, uh, the chance to listen to, uh, I recommend going back and listening to the starting a band episode that we did a couple ones back. Um, it covers between the two of them, it covers, I would say the lion's share of information that you probably want to consider if you're starting a project from scratch.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Having thought of all the things that we've thought of, the next thing we can get into is brand identity. And that includes your name, and it includes your logo, and it includes anything else that is, um, we'd say, identifying, you know, a tagline. Um, I like I like your tagline a lot. The, uh, every, by the end of the show, everyone's a member? Yeah. Right? It's practically, it, you know, we could consider that part of your brand identity. Yes. Because um, it's so... Um, central to the way you brand yourself and, and all of that. You want your name to be memorable. It's actually not important that your name is descriptive of what you do. The number of bands that start with the word V and end with band is high, and that's valid. There's a lot of tradition to that, but you're not stuck with that. You're not stuck with that. You know, I like our name. It, like I said, it hit me like a bolt of lightning standing in Orlando uh, one afternoon. Part of what I like about it is it's very ambiguous people ask, you know, what does it mean? What is it? Are you talking about the car Lincoln or, you know, what until they've seen our logo with the dancing president, it's, it's very, it makes you wonder and it makes you think. And it's a little hard to pronounce. With all the K's people in like, it, all the K yeah, like K's and all the, you know, every vowel is a different vowel and they, you know, people really chew on it in their mouths and it makes it, makes it sticky. They remember it. And then I hired this fantastic comic book artist, a guy named Thomas Boatwright who uh, I first met by way of a comic he wrote and drew, and drew called uh, Zeke Deadwood Zombie Lawman which is as hilarious as it sounds. Zeke Deadwin's a zombie and a sheriff, and he goes around basically stopping crime with his stench. (laughs) It's it's awesome. Um, But Thomas uh, does, his whole ethos is sort of creepy, cuddly. And uh, so I knew he was just the right guy to draw my Abe character. And and in fact, when I described it to him and gave him the brief, I was kind of picturing um, like a broken down Abe animatronic, like bolted to the ground with his jaw hanging open in kind of a weird way. And, um, His first sketch that came back to me with Abe like leaping up in the air in full dance was just so vastly better than what I pictured. Mm -hmm. It was was just, it was so exactly what it needed to be. And I was, I'd been so far off. Um, So, you know, finding yourself a real great partner to make a logo. You can make a logo using WordArt and Microsoft Word, but boy, don't find somebody who really knows what they're doing. And that's
0: a fair point. Um, The one thing to consider though is, you know, depending on where you are, Uh, and who, you know, uh, you may not have access to a super talented, um, comic book artist in your area, but that doesn't mean that you don't have access to these kinds of creative people. I would recommend uh, a website called Fiverr, which is F I V E R -R R.com. It's really just a community of freelancers that outsource their skills Uh, for jobs as cheap as literally $5. So it's always worth checking those kinds of things out. Uh, what I typically do if I'm starting a new project is I do the exact opposite of what Dan recommended. (laughs) I go to defont.com and I, uh, download a bunch of weird typefaces and I write the name over and over again on a pages document until I, you know, I see one that kind of speaks to, uh, to what I'm trying to, trying to do. That being said, once, I've gotten, you know, the collateral together. I typically will send it to my, um, my team of, you know, graphic design friends and, um, let them do their thing. And like Dan said, letting creative people just have free reign over your ideas while is scary, while it's, (coughs) while it's, it's scary and intimidating and hard to do for some of us, their ideas are usually better than yours or their concepts or their ability to, uh, to translate your ideas. Uh, it's yeah. worth exploring. That's why
1: they do what they do. I mean, that's, that's the value they provide. Absolutely. All right. So once you've got a brand identity, a name and a logo, things that are hopefully quite memorable, everything else that you build that communicates your brand, literally all of the design elements except name and logo, we'll call that brand collateral. Photography, font and color choices, taglines and bios, everything that is um, visual or verbal expression of your band. Uh, I would include set lists as part of your brand, uh, your brand collateral. I would completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Any kind of canned, you know, mic talk you use or patter. Um, that's certainly all brand collateral.
0: We actually we have branded, like <laughs> even our set lists are branded. So like our set lists are in eight bit font. So even, nice. yeah, I mean, <laughs> we go that's good. all the way. Yeah. Do you give them away at the end of the night? We don't give them away, but people definitely have absconded with them after we finish. Sure, I'm very protective of my set lists. I don't like when I don't put them up front. I don't like when people are like looking at the set list while we are performing. That's a
1: huge pet peeve of mine. Yeah, I want to surprise them with what's on it. But I guess at the end of the night, I don't mind if they take one.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. Um, We typically put ours facing like pointed towards the back wall in front of the drummer. Uh-huh. Uh, just so that it's, they're harder to read.
1: Yeah. So for us, in terms of brand collateral, we have uh, some really good uh, professional photography um, and some that is posed, some that is on stage and performing. Uh, I've used those a lot of different places. Uh, I've also assembled a library of design components. So I way back in my life, I was a graphic designer, and I built some pieces that are design components that speak our brand. Pretty much whenever I use Abe, I float him on a craft paper, like a brown paper bag, paper background with a starburst blapping out from his head. Mm -hmm. And um, if you go to the the article that I wrote about this, um, which uh, we'll have in the show notes, you can see some examples of that. I'm staring Um, at it right now. And you know, the beauty is I've used the same template for flyers, for bar gigs, now for actually the entire life of the band. And when it's up again, when, you know, the Clunky Lincolns are coming back, you can see from across the room. You don't even have to read the thing. You just see Abe on a background of that craft brown, and it's totally obvious who we're talking about. That's, that's what makes it's That's one of the things I'm talking about when I say we're one of the best branded bands around. Um, I'll tell you, I dropped off some flyers at, uh, for the show this Saturday at Tailgators a couple of, uh, week ago. And my contact there, Ginger, Thank me. They look great, you know. And said, "Here's the flyer for the band that's playing tonight." And I looked up, and the it was a it was a piece of paper, letter size paper, horizontal, right, for, uh, landscape orientation, with this band's logo printed on it in black and white, and the date handwritten underneath it. Sounds very professional. It was like. Thanks for the effort, guys. (laughs) You
0: know, no no flyer would have probably been
1: better. Maybe, yeah. And, and, you know, compared to, I just brought her and I found a new printer who's as cheap as Kinko's and far better quality. So I just brought this flyer that's like full color, full bleed, high design, uh, simple, but, you know, looks really sharp. (laughs) And um, it's just, it was glaring, the difference between the two.
0: And and one of the cool things that, that I really appreciate about what, the amount of effort that you've put into this is that objectively, if you were out and about and you just saw a flyer for the Clanky Lincolns, you wouldn't know if it was an original band or a cover band. Right. Which most cover bands don't go to the effort of putting this much consideration into their branding. And it does give you, for better or worse, it gives you an air of professionalism and it does. And you know, savvy, if nothing else. So it, does. It, it it is worth putting that effort in.
1: Yeah. You know, I have um, front and back of a legal sheet flyer um, that has a bunch of pictures and some, you know, whatever, some copy I wrote. And I have booked a lot of gigs just because I walked into the place and had that and could hand it to them. And, you know, bar managers are like, God, nobody's doing that. Nobody has, you know, put this kind of thought into it. So we've also built in that same sort of design vocabulary, custom guitar picks and, a lot of kinds of stickers. I like sticker mule, by the way, stickermule.com. Um they're not we're not a big enough podcast for them to pay me to say so, so I'll say it for free. They do their pricing is good, but then what they do afterward is they hit you with promotions that are ridiculously good. So I got buttons, uh, two-inch round buttons for like um, fifty of them for nine bucks. Because they'll hit you with an email and say, Hey, how about trying this for cheap? And and, and they are, they're good quality. Uh, business cards obviously that are inside that same design world let's see t-shirts that um i actually did the t-shirts before i had all of the brand components and uh, collateral all designed so they're a little our t-shirts are a little out of brand i'm actually looking forward to when i can rebuy because they need a they need a refresh i know you guys do koozies yeah so
0: our collateral we we don't Classify ours as merch because we don't sell; we just give give um, give them away. Our collateral is uh, we have custom wayfarers, so sunglasses because we wear sunglasses on stage, um, so they're neon wayfarers with our logos on the sides, and we also do uh, we also do koozies. In our um, business cards, we use uh, moo.com And the reason why we went with Moo is because they allow you to have multiple versions of the same business card. So for us, on one side, we have like an 8-bit mock-up of the band, and on the other side is our website and it's on, um, it's on like an eight bit cassette tape. But what we, what we did is I've submitted five or six of them and they're all different colors. So there's a green tape and a purple tape and a pink tape. And so when you hand them out, you know, we just turn them over and say, Hey, pick your favorite color. And it's just, again, it's just another one of those things to show people, Hey, we thought about this we put effort yeah. into this. Um, and we get, we get compliments on our, our business cards a lot.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I get the business cards with the sandwich in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's a thick card with a sandwich of color in the mm-hmm. middle. Um, so it's, it's heavy and, and thick. And I mean, I hardly ever give one out without somebody saying, man, what a card yeah. just, you want it to be something that again, a differentiator, something that, that stands out.
0: Yeah. The biggest compliment I've ever gotten was, uh, I saw a promo from another eighties band in town and their lead singer was wearing a pair of our sunglasses. <laughs> nice. So getting, getting, getting a little on the back end. Yeah. Let's, you know, we've had the fun conversation. Let's have the less fun conversation.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Because having done all this uh, thinking and work and design work, the next thing you have to confront is where your band's behavior and performance and the brand experience you're leaving is not a match for the brand you've designed. You know, um, one of the places we saw that recently is that uh, part of our brand personality that we've designed is approachable. like fun. You can come talk to us. We're we're George's guys. One thing we notice is during setup and sound check, we are not approachable. Like we're kind of stressed. We're busy. We're, you know, like we're just not that, that way that we wanted to be. And we had, you know, just had to kind of, have a come to Jesus conversation about it that, you know, we can be busy and still approachable. It doesn't, we don't need to, <laughs> you know, chase people away because we have to get the thing set up. We can actually work and talk. Setup's always been a stressful moment for me in, in, in the night. And, um, to turn that into the freedom to be with people and be engaging at the same time was actually really great, but there's nothing natural about that for me.
0: Yeah. We, we kind of ran into the same situation um when this band started i was the i was the lead singer music director booking agent contract guy sound guy anytime we did a gig i was stressed out like beyond belief and one of the things that i just decided to do after a certain time is that i'm going to hire a sound guy so that is one thing off of my plate and he also does most of our admin i have learned that I am a great communicator on paper, but the day of communication is that's not my strong suit. Sure. So I split the I split those things between our female vocalist, who is a total details person and a complete rock star in that approach. And I let the sound guy do what the sound guy does. And I just get to kind of show up and do my thing. And it's made a world Beautiful. difference, and it it has definitely helped our branding because you know they don't deal with the lead singer loading in the PA and being a complete you know being incommunicado or not available. Right, we get to say we get yes, to say right? yes a lot more than we did before.
1: You know, the, the, you want to consider really every part of your whole thing. You know, from the moment you hit the venue door, you are giving off a brand mm-hmm. experience. When we when we come rolling in, you know, I have a. Cart that pretty much our whole rig fits on. You know, we come in the door with it all strapped down tight and everything's in a case and it's all, you know, we look pretty professional as we hit the door. I have seen guys who, you know, scrape a speaker across the floor and kick their guitar cable ahead of them, which leaves an experience, a brand experience like you don't care about your gear. You don't, you know, it's not very professional. It's pretty rock and roll, but it's not, you know, I always wonder if that guy's cable is going to short out during the night and if he's going to have to quit early or something. So, you know, there's there's uh it's not always comfortable to sort of call one mm-hmm. on yourself and catch yourself being off brand, but that's it's really important. It's really important because none of this is natural per se. None of it is um uh your brand wasn't already going to be this. This is designed mm-hmm. and you kind of have to design yourself to operate consistent with it.
0: Yeah, I've had to have conversations with certain guys in the band when, you know, We've had some issues where, you know, alcohol has been a factor and we
1: Mm -hmm. had to kind of
0: go back and say, Hey, you know, it's, it's, I want everybody in this band to have a good time. But the second that you start having a good time at somebody else's expense, you have crossed the line.
1: Uh,
0: And it's just, you know, it had to happen and it wasn't great, but those frank conversations tend to foster better relationships because people understand that you're invested and that, you know, you take it seriously, but you care enough to mention it. It's better than it's better to do that and to move on than, you know, to ignore it and let it pile up and then you have that knockdown drag out and all of a sudden you're out a guitar player.
1: Well, I'll tell you the one person I've fired from this band, it was because in the conversation where I called him on operating off brand, and in this case it He was figuring out the parts to every song as we played them, uh, despite having rehearsed them a lot. I don't really know what happened there. It was it was when we have our nightmare gig <laughs> conversation. Yeah. This this one will come up. The gigs um, from heck episode. Gigs from heck. But that wasn't that wasn't what had me have to part ways with him. It was that he didn't see that as. I mean to, to use the language of, that we're using in this episode. He didn't see that as off-brand, and he wasn't. He wasn't committed. He didn't commit to do the work to bring himself back in with the brand. Mm-hmm. And I just can't. I love the guy. We're still friends, but I, I, I'm not going to have that in the in the space.
0: And I've I've had conversations <laughs> from my end where I have been off-brand sure. and have to be rolled back in. And yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it happens to all of us. It happens to all of us, especially those of us who are, you know, in a leadership role in the band. It probably happens to us more than anybody because we're more, we're probably more visible in a lot of those conversations. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's easy to get, um, like emotionally invested and have your self caught up in it in a way that's not, uh, you know, pretty, if you're talking as you instead of as the band, for sure you're off brand.
0: Yeah. get out of my head, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's, you know, that's where we all are. That's where we all are. So the beauty of all this to sort of sum it all up, once your brand is really cooking, once you are reliable at delivering the experience you want to deliver and you've got all of that sort of locked in, a few things happen. Any concern you had about what they think of you disappears completely because you know exactly what they think of you because you designed it. Yeah. Further... It frees you up on stage. You know that being free of that frees you up to, to give the performance you want to give, and people start to know that you're reliable for delivering what you say. And rebookings, uh, first time bookings, and rebookings just start rolling in because uh, you're a known quantity, known to deliver something that is designed to be wanted in the marketplace. And uh, you know, next thing you know, you're Coca Cola.
0: Well, another thing that it's important to note is that. You know, we just covered all of this in the course of about 30 minutes. Yeah. In my case, members only's branding is ever evolving, ever changing because it's still just one of those things where you try something new and you know, the logo that we started with is not the one that we're using now. The slogan that we started with is not the one that we're using now. It's, it, it can be this organic growth process oh it's going to be it's going to be and that's fine that's totally fine in my line of work we we say that the uh, the systems have matured <laughs> yeah and it takes yeah. that takes time to do yeah. and and yeah I look back at like old photos and old videos and we didn't even talk about videos that's a whole, whole branding thing, thing absolutely which we could delve into on another episode a lot of the time you don't know the answers to the questions that we've we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to try things and, and find, well, that, that really didn't get me what I was looking for. And, you know, maybe this will work. And it's, it's a lot of trial and error. Absolutely. If you can walk into a situation, you know, with the list that we just came up with and do this before you ever, you know, hit the stage, you're way ahead of the game yeah. and, and people in your market will notice, uh, clients will notice venues will notice. Uh, it's super, super valuable, but just note that it doesn't have to happen overnight, and it probably won't.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's basically what we did. I mean, I, I with my background in this, I actually had us pretty well ready to tell a consistent story by the time we were first talking to, to venues, and it really did make a difference. It gave us traction right out of the gate that I have not had with really any other project. I'll say this about it being a a, a work in progress and a and a um, it's meant to evolve. Branding is not a static deal. Uh, to give you an example of that, part, one of our differentiators. For in the yeah, that, Lincolns, that is are that new? That's part of how we talk about ourselves, you know, very seasoned players, and I can tell some stories about that. But as a brand, as a band, we're brand new, and so we're great for venues looking to change up your lineup, looking to bring something new to your audience. And that has had a lot of good response, but the bad news is we won't be new forever. In fact, we're starting to not be new. So you need to be, you need to have the flexibility about it to change. Your messaging and change—you know how you how you tell the story. Some band may pop up that does exactly what you do and does it better than you. And boy, you got to be ready to talk about that. Yep. Or change your approach. Yeah.
0: Always
1: evolving. Uh, So I'm now going to say something that's going to sound like it's undercutting everything I've just said. All right, but but it's, it's important to understand that branding is one possible way to think about this stuff. It's not the right way. It's a very powerful lens to look through, mm-hmm. but I would, I would, I would counsel people not to get too, you know, blinded by any one tool. I think it's great, I think branding is a really great thing to explore. And I think there's a lot of juice in it. I think it's, I think it's um, very valuable and powerful and I recommend everybody really consider it hard and then do what's right for you. Do what's right for you. Having done that thinking. Yeah. Uh there are pieces uh you know, we've covered in timer now says fifty something minutes before we've edited out all of our swear words. Oh my gosh, so many. (laughs) And that's uh that is such a drop in the bucket of the time you could spend researching this and finding out about it. And it might be fat you know, there might be people who are fascinated to do that work. And if that's interesting to you, do it. There's there's more than you could possibly begin to you could do a whole a whole podcast, you know, many, many episodes on branding. And there actually are those out there.
0: Yeah. And if you do have questions or you're curious, reach out to us either in the Facebook group or the Twitter account or email us at CoverBandCovidential at gmail.com. We, we are here to be a resource and to help you guys succeed. So do reach out. That is what we are, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to help you guys go further faster. Yep. Fantastic. I thought I was going to get out of editing a lot, but, uh, I don't think so. But at least I have, at least I have your end of the conversation this time. Yes, that'll be a plus. So that is going to do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would, please subscribe, like, and rate our podcast. It helps bring visibility, and and please share with your friends. But we'll go ahead and wrap it up for uh, today. From Atlanta, Georgia, this is Adam Justin
1: From Reesburg, North Carolina,
0: Dan Wright. And this has been the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, Episode 4. Have a good week.